0: You know we we didn't come here to be good. All right, that's not why we're here today. We came here to be great.
1: Second and goal from the three. Offset eye in the backfield with Zach house and Gun. There's the snap. Manning
2: back to throw. Swings at the gun. He catches it at the one. And ready. Hello, and welcome in to another edition of the Grove Report podcast, part of the Sports Illustrated Network. My name is John Macon Gillespie, and I'm your host. And as always, I'm joined by my co-hosts, Matt Galatson and John Garcia, Jr. Guys, how are we doing today?
1: Pretty good, man. It's a busy time of year. Basketball kicks off tonight. We got uh, Ole Miss and New Orleans, I believe. I've, got, I've, I've yes. got, like, eight different games in my mind. I'm pretty sure they're playing New Orleans. They are. And, yes. uh, at, least, at least that's what the schedule says. So. Yes, that is what the schedule says. And then we have Ole Miss and Texas A&M this weekend in football, a game which I may or may not be attending. I haven't decided yet, so I will be excited about that one. And uh, That
2: yeah. would be amazing.
1: What
0: a privilege. <laughs> right Uh, for those who don't know Matt is like the busiest guy in in the SI team network of of grunts um yeah Cowboys Texas Ole Miss he does a little bit of of everything but Ole Miss is certainly where his heart is but yeah it is it is a busy time of year we're getting close to signing day so I am trying to be like Matt in how busy (laughs) and well-traveled I I am so planning a lot actually Today was on a phone call about the Alabama-Mississippi All-Star Game, which is a big deal uh, in that border. So I'm, I'm excited to get back to it for the first time, obviously since uh, the pandemic. Where where is that game, John? It's it's in Hattiesburg this year. Oh, so. it's in Hattiesburg. Okay, yes. Yeah, so I'm pretty
2: sure they used to have it at the Vet, I think, but in Jackson. But I'm glad that it's at Hattiesburg instead of that crater of a stadium.
0: You know, the last time I was there, I found a Cuban restaurant run by a Miami, a fellow Miami Cuban. So I was my opinion of Hattiesburg was sky high, leaving uh, Alabama, Mississippi, which I never thought was going to happen after that week. So uh, shout out to Hattiesburg. I forget the name of the place, which probably sucks for them, but uh, yeah, pleasantly surprised by
2: Hattiesburg. I'm I'm not a huge like. Big college town, got like large college city guy. I don't know if Hattiesburg really qualifies as that, but that was one thing that kind of led me to wind up going to Ole Miss. Uh, was that you know it's kind of a smaller, more intimate setting. Uh, but I do like Hattiesburg too. I really do. Um, and you know it's got a good got a good football culture down there. Um, obviously with Southern Miss and uh, the high school events that take place there the state championship games in public school are actually uh, being held down there this year as well so um, but anyway yeah like, like y'all said it is a big week it is a busy week um, I think it's as as sports journalists it's kind of for me at least in the I guess five or six years I've been doing this it's that this is one of the more stressful but also one of the more rewarding times of the year because like you're never really lacking for content, so to speak. I mean, it seems like there's something happening all the time and we're kind of getting into that now uh, here with, with Ole Miss, with basketball and football, both going to be kind of happening simultaneously uh, as, as football season concludes later this month.
1: Yeah, there's a, there's a lot going on right now. I, uh, I texted Garcia earlier today and I said, I'm drowning. <laughs> and he said, swim faster. And that's just kind of how you have to do it at this time of year. There's, there's, you know, a million different things going on with football. There's a million different things going on with basketball. Baseball's not too far around the corner, you know. Then you have NBA and NFL and and all that stuff. So um, it's it's going to be up until about I guess the the end of March. Uh, well no that's not true i gu- i guess about you know by the time football season ends with super bowl in february things will start to settle down a little bit but until then this is uh this is primetime sports writer season this is the time we live for
0: not to mention the carousel my goodness the coaching oh, carousel yeah,
1: signing day
0: It's going to be uh, it's already been crazy i re- i wrote a story today on november 9th about texas tech Gaining three commitments less than twenty-four hours after naming Joey McGuire their head coach, I mean it's crazy. We, we don't even talk about openings this time of year, and we've already got transitions and the new staff hitting the recruiting trail running. I mean it's truly a different time.
2: Yeah, and you know I I think you know I was actually at a um uh, I wasn't participating in the panel I was in the audience but a panel of sports journalists in Oxford today on campus talking about the field and, and things like that, you know, the, the work field that that we're all in. And one of them who it it was Nick Suss, actually, who's, you know, a writer here in in Oxford and does really good work. But he, uh, he said, you know, I think a lot of times we take it for granted that we get to cover sports for a living. Sometimes we can get cynical about kickoff times or things like that, but at the end of the day, we're actually getting paid, to watch and write about sports and at the end of the day that's that's a pretty cool perspective to have i think
1: oh yeah totally i we are uh, we're very lucky in what we do and i you know i <laughs> i say yeah i complain sometimes too but anytime i tell someone about my job they they and i'm sure the same thing happens to you guys they're like oh wow that's the coolest job ever and it really is you know um getting paid to, to write about football or basketball is just about as lucky as it gets. So um, no complaints here. I, I may complain from time to time, but I usually retract pretty quickly.
2: Oh, I, I do complain from time to time more so than that a lot of times, but yeah, no, I, I think I'm just spoiled, I guess. Uh, it's very, very first world probs type complaining exactly. that I do. Yeah. So, but let's let's talk about some of the stuff we got going on um, with Ole Miss. Uh, Do y'all want to start football, basketball? What would y'all kind of like to do? Let's kick it off with basketball because basketball starts tonight. Yeah. Okay. So we we were talking before we hit record, and um, uh, Garcia said, "You know, isn't isn't this team supposed to be pretty good?" And I said, "I'm not really sure." they struggled with Trevecca, which uh, obviously was an exhibition game, but you know that can mean one thing. It can mean you know that Ole Miss was potentially kind of playing pretty vanilla just because they didn't want to show a lot, that kind of thing. Or on the other hand, uh, it could mean that this team may not be very good because if you look at you know kind of the casual fan, I guess, looking at the schedule. Um, and I guess myself included, because I had never heard of Trevecca. They, they look at that exhibition matchup and they're like, what is a Trevecca exactly? Like, what, what is this that we're going to be playing? And it uh, turns out it's a school in Nashville. I did some Googling today and wound up on Wikipedia, which is always factual and truthful, regardless of what they say in school. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not exactly sure what to think about this team. And obviously tonight – unless they lose, won't really be much of an indicator either, because it's, you know, they're favored by like 23 points or something like that. So, um, you know, it'll be a, a little while before we find out exactly what this Ole Miss team is, is kind of made of. But at the same time, I do have my hesitations because, you know, last year, obviously made the NIT after a really strange up and down season, losing games that on paper, it just honestly should not have lost. Um, And really at the end, still coming probably one or two wins away from making the tournament. They were in the first four out. Um, And obviously, you know, Kermit Davis's first year in Oxford made the tournament with uh, what I guess a lot of people will perceive as, Really, with Andy Kennedy's team, um, just Kermit Davis leading it. So, it is going to be interesting um, to see. And he he did get that extension, uh, you know, not too long ago. So, we'll see kind of what it what it looks like.
1: Yeah, you know, they they they've got an influx of transfers coming in this year. Um, they're they're bringing back a couple of a couple of decent guys, but it, it's it's really kind of an unknown season going in just because of those transfers and um they're making up sort of a bulk of the roster at this point not the bulk of the roster but the the bulk of the starting lineup i should say um and you know it'll be interesting kermit just got an extension um so he has quite a bit to prove this season um it's always interesting when you give a a coach uh an extension right before a season when he hasn't made the tournament in two years and granted, one of those years was a COVID year. And, um, you know, his, his team has sort of been up and down. And like you said, they struggled against Trebekah. So it's 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 really just a, you know, it's a how – how what, what's the term for it? Kind of a, a prove-it season, I guess, for Kermit, even though he just got the extension. So um, they, they tip the off
2: tonight. It's the proverbial contract year, kind of. Like, yeah,
1: but he just got an extension as well. Oh well, yeah, so I guess it's, yeah. It's it's yeah. kind of like well, okay. So maybe I, I feel like they kind of slipped that thing under the rug too because they uh, they just sent out a press release at like some odd time in the morning a couple of days ago, and that's you know I feel like that's pretty big news. But you know, wasn't there it wasn't, a short deal too? There wasn't some big announcement. I'll have to go back and look and see how see how long it was. I can't remember, but it's uh, interesting timing on that, but you know, we'll see what happens. It's going to be a long season. They've got a pretty favorable non-conference schedule, so they should get off to a good start. But uh we'll see how it goes from
2: there. Well, and do y'all, y'all potentially better versed in this than I am. Do y'all think that that was a way of just not cutting Kermit's legs out from under him a little bit as far as recruiting and things like that are concerned going on and announcing this extension? Or do you think it's, you know, Keith Carter actually pushing the chips in on the table and be like, hey, I'm actually all in on this guy.
0: Probably a better question for Matt, but I think in the SEC hoops landscape, it's becoming uh, a little bit tougher to navigate um, along with the portal and all the other new elements in college sports in general. So I I feel like from a, a true outsider's perspective, especially with hoops, that this is more of a, you know, hey, this is our guy kind of deal at least that's that's how i took it
1: yeah um and i i I was just looking at the deal uh here and it's a it's a four-year deal that runs through 2025 so it it seems like um it's kind of the case of this is our guy um they want to they want to put you know they want to put their support behind him and and kind of show that they are invested in him um he's had an up and down tenure with Ole Miss, obviously, you know, Uh, I think his, his overall records 51 and 42 or or somewhere around there. So um, there's, there's a lot for him to prove this year, but based on the terms of that deal um, and keeping him around for another four years, you know, it's, it's pretty clear that Keith Carter is invested in, in Kermit um, and and likes the direction and then the sort of,, um, you know, culture that he's developed in Oxford. So you know, that's that's about all you really need to know right there. if if he's giving you a four year extension on a contract year when you haven't made the tournament in the last three seasons with one having an asterisk by it, um, you know that I think that says a lot. And, you know, Kermit, the, their recruiting is, is is sort of where it is uh, i i it, it's nothing outstanding but it's 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 not bad so the the things you kind of have to worry about more are i mean when you have 3 guys coming in on the transfer portal that kind of speaks to how much help you really need and if these guys end up being good and and helping the team that's great but there's always possibility that they're not going to be able to handle the change and it that's the risk you take in the transfer portal. It happens in football, it happens in basketball. Not everybody can can really um you know handle that kind of change. And it, it just if it didn't work out for them at the last place, you know the every you know there's every possibility that's going to happen here too. So um it, it's gonna be an interesting season, probably one of the more interesting and unknown seasons that we've had in a while in Oxford. And um you know we'll see what happens tonight. But I, I I'm not even entirely sure what the starting lineup is going to look like after the Trevecca game, so uh, we'll just kind of have to see how
2: it goes. Right, and I, I think it's also important to note that it, it's, it, it probably is pretty telling that, that Keith Carter is willing to show his full support for Davis at this time because before he was athletic director, Keith Carter was still kind of instrumental in this hire. Um, of Kermit and he's obviously a basketball guy played basketball at Ole Miss Um, so I I think that he is going to have his finger on the pulse and this is just I have no sourcing on this this is just kind of my cotton patch thinking putting two and two together Um, I think he'll kind of have his pulse on the basketball program as an AD more so than maybe previous Ole Miss ADs have just because it's his background.
1: Yeah. I think that makes sense. Um, you know, as a basketball player, he's going to be a little bit more invested in the program and, and, you know, he, he's shown that, you know, what, what, what he went out and did with the Lane Kiffen hire, he's shown that he ha, he can sort of inject some energy and positivity and, and some new thinking into a program. Um, and, you know, maybe maybe giving Kermit this extension is, is his version of doing that um, sort of giving the program some more energy with with that kind of exciting news or whatever I'm not sure but yeah I mean it, it makes sense to me that that he would be a little bit more devoted to basketball um, I, I think that that's something that the Olbis program basketball program has probably been lacking in recent years too Um everything is so all in on football, which you know it, it's SEC football of course that's going to be the case to almost every school but it'll miss to be successful in basketball if you really want to be it's it's probably going to need that little that little extra uh, TLC, so to speak you know they got the new stadium uh, a couple of years back um, So things are sort of starting to trend in that direction um, but you know again we'll just we'll just kind of have to see, Uh, football is always going to be king in the sec um and it's for whatever reason it's always been hard for Ole Miss to win in basketball um a lot of people thought that you know getting the pavilion would kind of change the trajectory of that after playing in the leaky spaceship that was the Ted Smith Coliseum (laughs) um like there was literally water dripping from the ceiling onto the court yeah I mean it was it was just terrible how do you have a rain delay in the middle of an indoor basketball game that just yeah yeah. it's it's it was absurd but that that hasn't exactly been the case yet so um you know we'll just have to see how it goes i know i keep saying that a lot but that's that's just kind of the case that they're kind of in a transition period and it it's it's either going to go one way or the
2: other this season i think and then um so we'll just have to see what happens yeah and and sometimes that's all you really can say right i mean Mm -hmm. like we're, we're not here with a, with a crystal ball saying, hey, this is exactly what's going to happen. I mean, you know, a lot of times there's unknowns, and I think it is actually lends to credibility to say, hey, I really don't know what's going to happen. But I'll, you mentioned that football is, is always going to be king in the SEC and here at Ole Miss, too. I mean, do you say probably that basketball is third on campus in Oxford? I mean, you, you went to school here. I mean, do you, do you think baseball is the number two?
1: Yeah. I think it's pretty clear that baseball is a number
2: two. Um, each, okay. So, yeah. And I, and I don't know what kind of challenges that, that presents. I mean, I've, I don't, I don't work in an athletic department. I mean, I'm sure that that does present its own, its own share of challenges as far as fan investment and, and that kind of thing is, is concerned, but you know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know and I'm not paid a ton of money to, to come up with those answers. I don't guess either, but um Yeah, no, I I do think that it is – Ole Miss is one of the few schools in the country – well, and I think there's actually numbers to back this up – that actually make a profit on baseball um, each year. And I know we're not talking about baseball right now, but that just kind of goes to show that, you know, baseball is such a big deal in Oxford that, you know, sometimes basketball can maybe get lost in the – well, in – a pun term in transition. Um, So, For sure. Yeah. But uh, any other basketball thoughts from either of y'all before we transition over to football? Not for me.
0: No, I did see Bruce Pearl with his shirt off uh, hugging Cam Newton on a video today. So it doesn't really relate to old Miss, but, you know, how all in are you as a coach? Sometimes you got to ask yourself. And <laughs> I know you just got an extension, but, you know, where the shirtless stadium football picks at the vault, chess bunking with Robert Condici Like, show me that and uh, show me interest in basketball.
2: I'm, I'm going to have <laughs> nightmares now, John. I appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> I haven't seen that video, but if you would share it with me, I would be very appreciative. I think I would be appreciative. I might block your number, but uh, <laughs> it's like instant commitment video stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, But yeah, well let us talk about let's talk about football then. Um, Ole Miss obviously has one of the biggest games from a national perspective in I think quite some time. Um, not counting well, but one of the biggest home games from a national perspective in quite some time. Um this Saturday against Texas A&M it's the first time since 2014 that college game day has been on campus. Uh, that's actually only the second time now that college game day has been on campus. Um, what are, what are some of y'all's early thoughts about, you know, uh, let, let's, let's not start talking about the game. Let's talk about the view of the program. What do, do you think that it means something that college game day is back in Oxford after, everything the program endured for the last four to five years. I'll let you go first, Garcia. I've got some longer thoughts. (laughs) Shocked to hear
0: that. Yeah, this is a big deal. This is a huge deal. college game day means something. And I was just talking on the radio about perception in recruiting and how important it is. Uh, It's unfortunate, and every college coach will tell you that, it's unfortunate how important perception is. But it's still important. And College Game Day has a great slate of, of potential destinations for this week. I think there's three or four ranked versus ranked matchups that all matter in terms of conference seating and all that fun stuff. So for them to pick Ole Miss, back to the Grove, all of that, um, I, I thought was was a really big deal given uh, not only where Ole Miss has been, but given that you know, Ole Miss has not looked stellar in, in the last month or so. Um, But they're getting the benefit of the doubt from the worldwide leader. Um, And I think Lane Kiffin has a lot to do with that. Uh, Maybe Katy Perry will have something to do with that. I'm I'm sure that's going to be a fun topic of conversation. But if you look up at it, you know, Ole Miss is still in control of its destiny relative to being a top three team in the SEC. And any Rebel fan would have taken that preseason. And the coaching staff probably would have taken that at least perceptionally heading into uh, what is this week 11? Uh, I think that's a good spot and, and a good upward trajectory of, of where this program is trending. And, and just look at the carousel we talked about earlier, Jeff Levy's name is everywhere. Lane Kiffin's name comes up for every single job. I mean, this is, this is a, a buzzing place with some transition probably ahead, but I think it, it says a lot about where the program is right now on November 9th to have game day pick, That SEC West game over a a lot of rank versus rank matchups.
1: Yeah, I think that um, you know, and a lot of this kind of goes back to what the kind of stuff I was saying last week with Hugh Freeze. That whole the whole story behind the Hugh Freeze thing, um, and the the trajectory the program was facing after all that was over, um, like during the Matt Luke years, and and before. Kiffin's name really came up. I'm sure people probably thought it was going to be another decade or two before before Game Day ever came back. I mean, Ole Miss was not in a good spot, so I, I think it just says a lot about what Kiffin has done, what Jeff Levy has done, what DJ Durkin has done, what Keith Carter has done, everybody who is involved in the Ole Miss program at either an administrative level or the coaching staff um the players are the you know the way they've rebounded from you know what could have been the end of the program two years ago um the guys that are still on the roster so it's it's really just a testament to how how you know how well all those people have done but also how quickly things can turn around in college football um you know, Ole Miss was a national laughing stock a couple of years ago, and and, and now they are going to be hosting the biggest, uh, you know, college football television program there is, and they're going to be doing it in the heart of the Grove. And I don't know if Katy Perry is going to be the the guest picker again, but you know, it has all of the makings of uh, a banner day in Oxford. Now, the only thing, obviously, that they're going to have to overcome is their injury situation, which in typical Lane Kiffin fashion is still kind of a mystery. Um, we don't know a whole lot, except that Matt Corral is, is playing on two hurt ankles. We don't know who's going to be available at wide receiver. Um, so it, it's going to be an interesting day. Annen brings in a hell of a defense. And they're, they're kind of the, the blueprint of a program that, that Ole Miss would almost like to become in a way um you know they just beat alabama they just beat auburn um and in between those two games they were dominant and they're doing it with sort of some disadvantages too you know zach calzada is not exactly the best you know i mean he's he's got a rocket for an arm but he's not the most uh polished quarterback i'll say um so, but they still find ways to win. And, and Jimbo Fisher has turned that program into a winner that they struggled earlier this season trying to find their identity and then they found it. And, you know, if, if Olmis could come into a season and say, hey, we're going into the biggest game of the SEC schedule in week nine and we're seven and two and we beat Alabama and we beat Auburn that's exactly where they'd want to be. And that's where AM right is right now. Um, you know, but again, it's, it's just a testament to Ole Miss and how, uh, how much they've turned things around and the fact that they're one of the most nationally relevant programs in America right now, because of their head coach and their style of offense and their Heisman contender and doing it in such a short, short time is, is just a,
2: You know, it's just really impressive. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, And you you both mentioned Katy Perry. Who who do y'all think should be the guest picker on Saturday? Or do you have any suggestions? I think it should be Morgan Freeman. I do, too. Exactly. I think Morgan Freeman should be the guy. That would be incredible,
0: if if at all possible. Obviously, Eli is – easily at the disposal of, of the network and given the FCC things going on around the double bird, maybe he owes them one. I'm not sure how that's going to be viewed, but um, there's a wide variety of options, but you know, we all know Lane Kiffin wants Katy Perry back, but I think that's easier said than done, especially since so much time has gone by, but yeah, I'll I'll join you guys. I'm all in on Morgan Freeman just for the audio alone.
2: Well, um and Correct me if I'm wrong, it's, it's been a while since I've been a religious watcher of college game day. I used, I used to never miss it, but it's, it's been a while, obviously, now since I've gotten into the media field and stuff. I'm not always here, you know, at, at my apartment when, uh, when it's on. But it, don't, do they usually try to get a guest picker that has at least some kind of tie to the school? It's either
1: some kind of tie to the school or to the region. I think, um, like last week, Cincinnati. I don't. I don't think they have very many famous alum. But Nick Lachey was their pick because he's from Cincinnati. Um, okay. But I mean, I, I I don't know what connection Katy Perry had to. That's Oxford. what I was going to
2: ask. Like, I I I'm not sure what that what that connection was. That that's why I'm more in favor of Morgan Freeman because there's. You know, I don't know if Morgan Freeman will be at the Ole Miss basketball game tonight, but he he's at multiple throughout the season, um, and is an avid Ole Miss basketball fan, sitting courtside, all those things. Um, so I, I think that, that would be that would be the direction to go. But um, you know, obviously, I don't I don't get to make that decision. Uh, but I think, I think Eli would be another easy choice, right? You know, even even with the the FCC controversy,
0: I think AJ Brown would be fun as well. Not oh, sure. Not sure if the Titans are on a buy or whatnot, but uh, that would DK, probably that, yeah. be entertaining. Yeah, DK, of course, as well. I think AJ's got a little bit more personality than DK, but DK has got the endorsement. So I yeah. think either one would be another kind of reminder of not only the last time Game Day was there, but you know this the the type of player Ole Miss has produced recently Um, I think that would be if you're Lane Kiffin Katy Perry is your one seed but I think one of these guys would be would be right after that as kind of a fresh reminder of hey like this can be done at
2: this school which is always friendly when you get close to signing day and y'all may laugh at me for this but I have kind of a dark horse in my mind that I want to throw out there what about Bo Wallace I would love to have Bo Wallace. I, I
1: think he he kind of deserves some some uh, some recognition since he was the guy that beat Alabama in Oxford the first time game day went there. So, um, I can't even remember what he's he's an offensive coordinator for for a college
2: or a high school somewhere. I think. He's, give me just a second. He is. Uh, he is in. Uh, I'm pretty sure he's in the JUCO ranks. Coaching, unless A he's moved to Mississippi,
0: which is where he went before Ole Miss. He's
2: at he's at Pearl River, uh, Pearl River Community College. He's co-offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach, according yeah. to his Twitter. I mean, I think that would be great. Um, I do. I mean, he he's deserves the spotlight. Uh, yeah, uh, and I, I think their season's over. I'm not sure. I haven't really kept up with JUCO, but. Um, it should be, yeah. They're in the playoffs
0: starting this week, so Pearl River, yeah. uh, if my memory serves, is not one of the elite JUCOs, so that could be uh, that could be it. So yeah, he might be available.
2: Yeah, I think I think that would be cool if if you can't get Morgan Freeman or Katy Perry or whatever. Um, and and the only reason I still say Katy Perry is just because it would be a callback to that original. Um, Game day appearance and, and Kiffin has just pushed so hard for it, uh, and I think he knows the kind of audience that Perry, that Katy Perry would bring, um, you know, whether it be social media or whatever. Um, so, but yeah, no, I I, I think I think y'all all make some really good points there. Let's let's talk about the game itself. Um, coming in, obviously, I think the the biggest question mark. Is still surrounding Ole Miss's injuries um, to me, especially on the offensive line. But I kind of want to get y'all's take on, you know, how how you feel about the injury situation, how you feel maybe about the the matchup as a whole, uh, things things of that nature.
1: As far as the injuries go, I kind of touched on t- touched on it already. It's it's kind of an unknown. Uh, Mingo has been out since before the Alabama game. Uh, Dontario Drummond. Wasn't able to go last week. Uh, Braylon Sanders is still kind of in there, but he, you know, he doesn't really look a hundred percent. Corral's playing on two bum ankles. Ben Brown's out for the year. Um, so offensively, you're kind of in trouble. And then on the other side of the ball, Sam Williams had a hip thing last week against Liberty. He was able to tough it out for the most part, but um, so there, there's a lot going on there, and it, it's a concern. If you're all miss on the offensive side of the ball in particular, because AM's defense is so dominant, um, if we didn't have this year's Georgia defense, AM would probably be in the running for the best defense in the country. Um, Georgia is just kind of on another level from everybody else, but AM is, you know, they're, they're just about the second best defense in the, in the SEC, probably the second best defense in the country overall. Um, they've got NFL players up and down the board on the defense Demarvin Leal, uh, Damani Richardson, you know, Tyree Johnson, Jaden Peavy, um, Leon O'Neill, all these, all these guys. And if Ole Miss isn't a hundred percent or about as hundred percent as they can be going into this game on offense, I think they're going to have a lot of problems moving the football. They're going to try to get after Matt Corral they're they're an aggressive defense um I think Tyree Johnson has eight sacks this season already DeMarvin Leal I think has five and a half Michael Clemens has a few so they are gonna do their best to get after Corral and, and he you know as we saw the last couple of weeks he his legs aren't aren't there right now because of his ankles um so it it's going to be an interesting matchup. On the other side of the ball, I think Ole Miss can, can handle AM pretty well. Um, yeah, they put up 41 points against Alabama, but you know, last week against Auburn, Auburn's, you know, yeah, they gave up 20 points, but they sort of sort of showed the blueprint on how to how to slow down AM. They held them to four field goals um on the offensive side of the ball. So, you know, it's they're very they're they're very one dimensional in a sense that Devin a Shane and Isaiah Spiller are quite literally the engine of that offense. Uh, Zach Calzada is, is a, is a game manager. He, he's a gutsy player. He he's tough. He's a good leader, but he's not the kind of quarterback that's necessarily going to throw for 300 yards on you. He can make plays like he did against Alabama. He hit a nice Smith for that, that touchdown, uh, late in the game to put it, to put, um, it was either to tie or put AM ahead late in the game. And, um, you know, that was, I mean, that was a hell of a play. And then there's – I mentioned him already. An- Aniah Smith is one of the most dangerous receivers in, in the SEC. Um, he's sort of a do-it-all guy. He can run around uh, with the best of them. He They use him in the run game. They use him in the pass game. He's a kick returner. He's a punt returner. He's sort of like Percy Harvin light, I guess. Um, and then they got DeMond, DeMond Demas, who's a – true deep threat so they can attack you from a lot of different angles but I promise you if 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 you watch that go back and watch that game against Auburn you can see what Auburn did and Ole Miss is probably going to try and deploy some of those same uh, those same concepts they don't have necessarily the same players on the defensive side of the ball that that Auburn does but they're going to try and copy that game plan as much as possible
0: I'm with Matt on most of that. I think this a defense has more balance than Georgia's. I think Georgia's front seven heavy and it's masked a little bit of their potential vulnerabilities in the secondary. I would take a secondary over Georgia's uh, as it's presently uh, projected. I think a um, and is longer, more experienced there at the back end, but the front seven is no slight. As you mentioned, that D line will be, the best group Ole Miss faces this year, both in terms of getting after the passer um, and playing the run. This is a a very, very good unit. Uh, Leal's one of the best players in college football. He just plays inside, so he doesn't quite have the numbers of, of a Will Anderson or some of the other guys that, that we've seen Ole Miss face uh, in 2021. And on the flip side, same deal. They're going to run the football. You, you mentioned Matt all of the playmakers who who can carry the ball. I think when, when you're throwing it, it, it's a little bit more limited. So I think Ole Miss can play aggressive football. I think they could sell out to stop the run. Uh, I think the tight end, Weidemeyer, is a little bit of, of a problem for a school like Ole Miss because your, your best safety, which is Springer, is probably going to be a box player 99% of this game. So do you allocate him as your extra box defender, or do you allow him to contend with at least the most consistent pass catcher on that a roster? I think that's, that's going to be tough on Durkin at times. Uh, but I do think, you know, AJ Finley or one of these, these nickelbacks can can maybe help in that regard, but you've got to stay aggressive and that opportune Ole Miss defense has to come up big against a and You almost have to turn them over to beat them because they're, they're so old school in in their approach offensively, and the defense is so good. So I'm curious. The injuries are massive for Ole Miss. Anybody coming back uh, on the offense would be a very big deal. Obviously, Corral's health is a big deal. Uh, and I think this game could could be somewhat similar to, to what we saw last week with A&M and Auburn, although I do think Ole Miss' Ole Miss's ceiling on offense won't uh, be as limiting as Auburn's felt to watch um, on that day, Saturday. And a and, and A&M's, was riding high off of that. So I think that actually helps Ole Miss coming off of not its best performance, but, you know, a a, a cruising kind of victory over Liberty where you had to stop a different type of offense. So I don't think Ole Miss put the, the stuff on tape that will allow Jimbo Fisher and AM to get – very creative because they hadn't really faced anything similar since the Arkansas game. And obviously plenty has changed personnel wise. Plenty has changed schematically since that shootout with the Halls.
2: That's, that's a really good point. You know, if, if you, you mentioned that if anybody on the offensive side, who's injured manages to come back this week, how big of a deal that is. And I think you're really right because this offense has definitely looked different since, I guess, the what LSU game, um, you know, against Auburn and Liberty the last two weeks. It's looked different, I think, due in large part to injuries. Um, if there was ever a week for Ole Miss to get healthy, and we talked about this on last week's pod, it's this week. They they need some of those playmakers to come back. I think to to be able to tackle or go against this AM defense um and you know I guess we'll see if they were able to get healthy you know without any of those three well Sanders played but without Drummond or Mingo playing against Liberty um but yeah I, I think it's it's crucial for if if those guys can go they they need to go this week uh if if you're looking at it from an Ole Miss perspective
1: yeah, because there's a lot on the line this week. Um, you know, a lot of people could have gotten discouraged after the Auburn game and say, "Oh, well, we're not going to make the SEC title game. That's it. You know, it's the season's basically lost." Um, not lost, but you know, it, pe- people got so high on this team um, when they got to six and one that it was it was natural to get a little bit let down after that Auburn game, especially considering how it went. Um, but look, if you beat AM, um, yeah, you're probably still kind of out of the running for the sec West, but depending on what happens with Alabama, because they look very beatable <laughs> right now, but you know, you, you're still playing for a new year's six bowl. If you win this game and then you go to, to Vanderbilt and you win that, and then you beat Mississippi state, there's probably a new year's six bowl in your future. And that, that's something that I think would be kind of a stamp on where this program is right now. If you, <clears throat> if you go from the piss and miss game and Matt Luke and four and eight or five and seven or whatever they were, um, to two years into the Lane Kiffin area, you're playing in the peach bowl or the sugar bowl. That says something. I think it says a lot. And, um, not only do recruits want to see that, but, but, you know, your fans are, are desperate for success and getting to a bowl
2: game like that. In your second year under Lane Kiffin would be a huge accomplishment. We, we keep going back to the last, well, I guess the stretch from really 20, the 2016 season through the 2019 season. So I guess that's four seasons. Um, and, you know, I, I'm sure that Ole Miss fans who are most likely our largest audience are probably tired of thinking about those years, but it's, I think it's important to look back at those because the pinnacle of the Hugh Freeze era was winning the sugar bowl, right? In the 2015 season, New Year's day of 2016. And yeah, you went to a new Year's six bowl the year before, you know, got blown out by TCU, but you were still there in a New Year's Six Bowl. You know, that was that, that 2014 season where all of those weird things happened, the Treadwell injury, Laramie Tunsil got hurt in that Peach Bowl, uh, things like that. But, you know, we, to even be sitting here talking about Ole Miss even potentially sniffing a New Year's Six Bowl game Two years after the piss and miss, and you know the Ole Miss program looking like it was in its worst position since Houston Nutt was run out of town. You know that's that's just insane, and I just, I just don't think that can be overstated. I mean, I, I don't think that that's that's something that can be that can be emphasized enough. And I and I think that's why we just keep going back there because it just seems like something that you know is is worth mentioning. Any opportunity that we get, because it's you, you don't you don't see that all the time. You don't see a program rebound, and and I'm not saying Ole Miss is even going to make a New Year's Six game. I mean that's that's far from certain. But you don't see a program rebound even to the point where Ole Miss is right now from where they were two years ago.
0: And AM's and not far off of that in terms of the high lows as well, with a ton of talent, just like Ole Miss had uh, after. Um, after that transition from freeze uh with Kevin Sumlin and M was recruiting at, at an even higher level um, with even bigger disappointment. So they too have, have bounced back. And two things here on this game. First of all, did y'all know that AM has played one road game in 2021 total?
2: I'm sure unless Matt ESPN probably is.
0: Is, yeah, unless ESPN's wrong here, uh, they they have played. Uh, one road game. I thought they went to Colorado, so this is actually wrong. Yeah,
1: no, technically that was a uh, a neutral site because that was in Denver, and then they played one in Arlington. So I think their only road game of the season was Mizzou, um, Mizzou yeah.
0: So I, I think that's a, a heck of an external factor here, especially with game day, night game, a lot of consumption during the day on the Grove I think that's going to be an interesting factor because Calzada, that inexperienced offense has had the crowd on its side just about every time out. And look, Missouri is awful on defense uh, this year, just awful. Um, So I don't really count that one. So that's, that's kind of an interesting thing. And and when you start looking at who's going to win and predictions, and I know we'll get to that later in the week, you know, the the money right now is on A&M. An A and M's favored in the SI sports book, despite being on the road. I mean, that's just a, to me, that's just an interesting observation because this is this is not a battle tested team, despite having some big victories under its belt. We all know that Kyle the Kyle Field crowd is a real advantage. You know, we we hear about home field advantage everywhere. It's a little bit bigger there. It feels like Alabama will tell you, Bo Nix will definitely tell you. So I'm just curious as as to, to see how AM comes out if Ole Miss is rocking similarly. Um, I just think that's that's a really big advantage for the rebels. And we really haven't seen a lot of that in between advantages pointed Ole Miss's way thus far in 2021. So I don't know, just kind of an observation and looking at this funky schedule.
2: Well, and I I had not know, noticed that. Like I <clears throat> excuse me, I didn't know that. That AM had only played one true road game. That's did they do they close out their last, I guess, two weeks on the road? They've just about got to, right? Yeah, at LSU uh Thanksgiving weekend. Okay. All right. So yeah, no, I, I mean, I mean, vault hemming uh, Ole Miss is known for its tailgating scene, right? They're not known for its Super hostile crowd environment, like super loud. You can't communicate that kind of thing. But I mean, you you look at that that 2014 game against Alabama. That Vaught-Hemingway was rocking that day, and I'm sure that's something that that Kiffin and company are are hoping to kind of try to replicate uh, this this upcoming weekend. It's going to be cold and things like that, but in uh, a night game. But that should. That should kind of add to the to the environment, I would think, uh, with it being a later kickoff and, like you said, everybody in the Grove kind of being pretty well lubricated by the time they get in. I've experienced
1: some pretty wild crowds in Oxford. Um, I think it was two thousand nine versus LSU uh, in two thousand. I want to say thirteen against LSU, which uh, when they won on that last second field goal. Um. I believe those 2013. Yes, those are two of the best environments I've ever experienced in college football, and I've I've been to Kyle Field, I've been to Daryl K Royal at, at, in Austin, I've been to Tiger Stadium, I've been to Bryant Denny, I've I've been to a lot of good you know good venues, and Oxford is capable of it. You know, it it's just a matter of. I think the conditions are right. Everybody's going to be amped because game day is there. It's going to be a packed house in the Grove. People are going to be, like you said, very well lubricated. It's a good way of putting it. Um, and look, you know, I, I think I think people kind of took last week off in a sense. Just not off, but the, the stadium was not as packed as I would have expected for um, a Hugh Freeze return if you know what I mean. And uh, I think a lot of, a lot of the, the casuals sort of decided to go to that game instead as a, of a big game. So they could kind of experience Oxford more, which is a little bit of a trick of the trade. If, if you want to go in and not have a crowded game, pick the, pick the, you know, non-exciting non-con, you can maybe get a reservation at city grocery, but for the hardcore fans, this week is going to be probably the one they've been circling on their schedule at home all year long. Um, because AM came into the season as probably your most difficult home game. Um, LSU <clears throat> obviously, you know, wasn't expected to be anything significant this year. So I think when they saw AM's top 10 ranking at the beginning of the season, a lot of people sort of circled this one and bought their tickets. And there's going to be a lot of people coming in town from from out of town and and all that kind
2: of stuff. So I, I think it has the recipe for a pretty good environment. Yeah, I think so too. And it's it's interesting to think. I wonder, and then I, I don't know the answer to this. I'll have to go back and look, I guess. But the last, I wonder when the last time Ole Miss reached – the second week of November without a home loss—it's got to be a while, right?
1: I don't know. I was just—I don't know. Um, I certainly can't think of it off the top of my head. I'd have to go back and look, but it, it seems like it's been a while.
2: So, and and that's just—you know—I'm—I'm I'm not every environment at Vault Hemingway this year has been equivalent to that that Arkansas game or that LSU game, but still, I mean, this, this team hasn't lost at home yet and their next game is November 13th. So, you know, that's, that's something, and and I'm not one, well, actually I am one to kind of look at, at trends like that, whether they mean anything or not, but I just find this like, you know, Oh, that's kind of interesting. They haven't lost at home yet. Um, and I'm not saying that they won't lose this Saturday because the, I think this matchup definitely presents some problems, but uh, that is definitely an interesting note, I think. So, uh, but yeah, that paired with uh, I, I expect this crowd on on Saturday night to be bananas, I guess. And and in my undergrad years at Ole Miss, probably the wildest atmosphere I was a part of as a student was 2016 against Alabama that was the year Ole Miss was up you know like 21 to nothing I think and then you know wound up losing the game um it was that that year the same year as the Florida State loss and all those things Ole Miss wound up finishing five and seven Chad Kelly got hurt blah 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 um but I, I think that the atmosphere – I think the conditions are right for the atmosphere to be pretty similar to that um, on Saturday. And pair it with the fact that it's a night game and it's not going to be 1,000 degrees like it was for that, for that Alabama game. Granted, it will be like 30, or it will be a little warmer than that, but around 30. Um, but still, I, I think that – I think it will be a pretty packed house. Um, and it should be – it should be pretty – pretty rowdy um and and they've started doing this thing at at home games at vault hemingway now where it's they they do some light show stuff in happen in uh tv timeouts and i i think it's kind of cool i mean it kind of makes my head hurt a little bit um but i i think that 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 kind of energizes the crowd a little bit too they've they've kind of started doing some different lights. I mean, even at at some points during the songs, they'll like cut all the lights out and then bring them back up. And so like, I, I don't know, I think it's, it's little things like that, the game day atmosphere type things that that could definitely, definitely have the, have the place rocking even more on Saturday. Yeah.
0: Uh,
1: I, I totally agree. Uh, Garcia, have you gotten to experience Oxford in all of its glory?
0: Not in quote-unquote all of its glory. I've been there a couple times, but it was kind of by chance. Never super planned for a game like this. That's that's for damn sure, and that's something that needs to happen. And I'm looking at two old Miss grads on this pod with me that need to help me make it happen. So figure it out, boys.
1: Hey, man. I'm, I'm always down to,
2: to, to take a trip to Oxford, so, um, you know. Hear me out. Game, game of the year in Oxford comes next week. Ole Miss hosts Vanderbilt. Okay,
0: (laughs) (laughs) no, it's gonna be a no for
2: me. No. (laughs) Uh,
1: Yeah, but honestly, Garcia, I wish you could come this weekend because I think this is gonna be the biggest. um, This is gonna be the 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 most you know picturesque version of oxford ole miss game day i think that we'll see until i mean it's going to be the the most picturesque version we've seen in quite some time probably since 2014 and it's it's probably going to be the biggest we will see until at least i haven't seen the schedule for next fall but it's kind of looking like it's going to be a while before we'll see anything like it again
0: well alabama should go to oxford next year so Maybe we can start
2: at that on the calendar. Book it. Yeah, and I was I was looking at the schedule when you guys were saying that. Yeah. The most I guess the most marquee SEC matchups in Oxford on next year's schedule will be Alabama, Auburn, and the Egg Bowl. I think. I don't think I'm missing anything else. Um, so, yeah, Ole Miss will go to Fayetteville or Little Rock, whichever. Uh, we'll go to Baton Rouge. We'll go to College Station. We'll go to Nashville. And then they'll host those. So, yeah, that that Alabama – I actually think Ole Miss plays Alabama late in the year next year, too. It's not early like it has been before. I think that's right. Um. But I'm not. I'm not sure. I think that would make make for pretty good, pretty good game day conditions because typically, at least in recent memory, the game against Alabama has just been like 40 degrees hotter than the sun in Oxford, and it's it's typically like in like an afternoon game. You know, sometimes 3, or even six, but it's still super muggy. So, um, but anyway, yeah, I I would. I think it would be great for. For Garcia to come and um, people people talk real big about City Grocery, which City Grocery is great. I'm a really big Ajax guy, uh, so and it's cheaper, so I would I would be a proponent of Ajax if Garcia were to well. Were to, okay, um, we'd have to take Garcia on a whole
1: like food, you know. I was gonna say I'm I'm coming early.
0: I'm not coming on Saturday. Like I'm gonna be yeah. there Thursday.
1: No, This yeah, this is we're gonna we'd have to take him on like a, a true tour of the food scene, but. So Ajax is back now. I thought
2: Ajax had closed down and I was devastated. No, it's back. No, it it they they were doing during COVID. I think they closed for a little while like most restaurants did in Oxford. And then they switched to curbside when that was kind of opened back up. But yeah, no, for the last year or year and a half, Ajax has been open. I've eaten there two or three times this year, actually. Oh thank
1: God. That was that that's also my favorite place in Oxford. Not named well. So, my actual favorite place in Oxford is Snack Bar. See, I've I've actually never been there. Oh man, go to Snack Bar. (laughs) Um, but then Ajax and then Handy Andy, which is yes, you know, people. I think, I think Coach O made this, um, this comment about gas station hamburgers, and a lot of people assumed this is back when he was coach at at, uh, Ole Miss, obviously. But people assumed he was talking about chicken on a stick. But I'm pretty sure he was talking about Handy Andy. I mean, it's, it's just this, for, for those who don't know, which if you listen to this podcast, surely you know, but Garcia, it's this little hole-in-the-wall burger barbecue place where you can go and you can get a double cheeseburger, uh, you know a, a pulled pork sandwich, fries, and a drink all that for like 10 bucks or 15 bucks and it's just the best damn you know burger barbecue combo you're ever gonna have so and then we're then- kind of we're kind of getting off on a tangent here but um we, we'd we have to hit probably 10 places in, in those three or four days and you can was get gonna different- say, this
2: is not good before
0: dinner like
2: I'm <laughs> freaking out right now you can get different sizes on your side items too and sometimes they can give you like a like a 16 ounce drink cup full of like baked beans or potato salad too at handy andy. It's yeah, it's it's a godsend, seriously. So um all right, well if there are no closing thoughts, I think that's a good place to to hit the stop button. Um anybody got anything they, they want to say before we before we hop off? I'm hungry. Yeah, same me. Yeah every day all right uh well that's going to do it for this episode of the grove report podcast make sure to like rate and subscribe on all of your favorite platforms and make sure to check out report.com for all the latest news and analysis about your Ole Miss Rebels thanks for listening and we'll see you next time